complex narratives of being taken by alien beings into UFOs on beams of light. The Air Force is trying to cover up with a picture of Venus and the moon. From my own point of view, I'm going to be very disappointed if UFOs turn out to be nothing more than visitors from another planet, because I think there could be something much more interesting. I'm not telling you that. The United States government is telling you that. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Disclosure Team channel. I'm your host, Vinny Adams. Um, you'll have to excuse if you're watching. I feel like I've got this green hue around me. The green screen is playing up for me today. So if you notice it, uh, my apologies. Uh, before we bring on my guest, it's the usual kind of house rules. Please leave any questions that you might have during the interview in capital letters or super chats if you wanted to uh, donate to, to the channel. Um, please keep the chat cool calm kind collected all that good stuff which you normally do but you know just in case and uh one last thing is that we are now going to be doing pretty much one show a week every wednesday i wanted to sort of form some kind of structure going forward so that you know it it's not just chopping all over the place uh the only reason why that might change every now and again is if a guest can't make it on let's say a wednesday but they can make it on a thursday but obviously, I will post about that across all my sort of social media platforms and stuff. So, yeah, um, I just want to give a shout out as well to all my Patreons and YouTube members. I haven't been producing much content away from the live interviews uh, over the past few months. But going forward, 2023, I promised myself I would start putting out more content that's not just the kind of live interviews. So I am working on some new projects for you guys, uh, the members and the Patreons. Um, if you're interested in that at all, you can find the links in the description below. But if not, the videos will be made public, just not uh, at the same time, just a little bit later. So, yeah, there we are, guys. So my guest today, Cheryl Carter, is a, a psychic medium, a remote viewer, an investigator, researcher of the paranormal, UFOs, Bigfoot, so many different aspects of the phenomena. And we're going to touch upon all of those subjects tonight in the interview. So let's not waste any more time and please welcome Cheryl and Carter. Hi. Cheryl, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. So, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but I guess the the, the first question would really be going back to your, your very first interests in, in any kind of straight high strangeness or the phenomena paranormal. Where did it all start for you? Well, I was I was born a psychic medium, so First thing I remember was when I was four years old. And when when you're kids, you don't know what it is. I just I just think everybody does this. But the first thing I saw was I was at my grandma's, my aunt's farm. And I was about four or five years old. And I was upstairs. And I, I went into one of the rooms and she had a bunch of old trunks and boxes. You know, little kids like to snoop and see what's in there. So I'm looking, nothing, nothing closed. And then I saw this little boy standing behind one of the trunks. He was about my age. And I thought that's strange. My aunt shouldn't have a little boy up in her attic. 
And I got closer and I noticed I could see through him, which I thought was strange too. And then he reached out his hand to touch me and he was really cold. And I ran down the stairs and I never told anybody. I didn't tell my aunt for years. But like I said, it was just normal to me. All these things would happen to me all the time. I would see things, I would hear voices, and I would know things that I shouldn't know. But I just thought it was a natural thing. All the kids could could do stuff like that until I found out I was different. And you know, people in school thought I was weird. So when did that? When did you first kind of start actually developing these kind of abilities? Probably high school, because then then I I met somebody else and. We both we both start talking about it and then then we start finding books because there were no TV shows and on you know no internet at that time to see these things to know that you weren't the only one knowing this stuff you know. And did you kind of you know go to the library look at books on the on the yeah, subject yeah, to try and understand it more? Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. So you know moving on when did that uh, you know enhance into more kind of research and uh, let's say investigations as well because you know if you you've kind of got this psychic medium aspect to your life that you've grown up with and then obviously you've you've gone off in so many other directions so what came first after that and and how did that start yeah probably probably when i was was 20 because then i i started going out and i started investigating places and i i thought it was was so much fun because People had all their equipment, but I could actually have the spirits talk to me. And and I loved when someone had their recorder going and they played it. And I and I told them what a spirit told me. And then they played it back. And the spirit said that on the recorder, too. So I, I loved it. That was. So I'm, I'm like an extra piece of equipment. Sure, sure. And, and what sort of locations were you kind of visiting? Oh, I've been to Waverly Hills many times. Uh, what else? Down in uh, Alton, Illinois, at the Mineral Springs Hotel. You've probably seen that on TV a lot of times. That was so an interesting all, place. Yeah. All kind of famous, known, kind of haunting, yeah, haunted spots, maybe. St. Albans in West Virginia. I mean, I, I I've, obviously, I've watched a lot of paranormal TV shows over the years, but I, I put myself in those places and I just. I'd be so scared. I don't think I could stay there for very it's long. Not scary. I've only run into something scary one time. I guess, I guess when you can't see what I see, that it might be scary to you. Yeah. The yeah. only, the only time something was scary was when I, I was at a Madison seminary in Ohio and my friends and I have gone there many times and we were just in the wrong place at the wrong time that night. And something jumped into my friend. Wow. And, you know, you, you see that on TV and they just go, heck yeah, we're going to, you know, just, I don't know what you're going to do to get it off. And it scared the heck out of me because he turned around and looked at me and his eyes were black. And that voice was not his. I mean, how do you deal with something like that? Like I said, if it was me, I just wouldn't be able to to, to cope with it. It would just... I'd be scared. It would, it would freak me out. I think I'd get that natural, you know, fight or flight and yeah. run. And I, kind took, of. I took my I took my cross off my neck and I stuck it on his forehead. And we started praying over him, and that wasn't helping. 
So my other friend came up and he, he got him outside. He says, walk it off, walk it off. And I said, he can't walk it off. And so I was vending that weekend. So I went in my truck and I had St. Benedict's medals, which they use for exorcisms. So I went and I got one. I, I put it around his neck. He goes, what's that? I go, just, just put it on, just put it on. And within seconds, his face changed, his eyes were normal, and he was okay again. Those things work. So these these spirits or entities that you encounter during these paranormal investigations, where do they reside? Is it like a spirit realm or is it another dimension? And, you know, how do you kind of know where they are and, and that? I'm, I'm not sure if, if some of them are actually at the location or if some might come and go from the locations. Yeah, and I do believe they're still, even though they're at that location, they're in different dimensions at that place. Hmm. And do you think there's any connection between that kind of entity, the paranormal ghost-like entity, and and let's say some of the entities seen in more UFO-based phenomena encounters? Sure, could be. Yeah, that's why I said we don't we don't know what we're talking to. You know, do we think we're talking to spirits? Could it be aliens? Could it be interdimensional? We could be talking all kinds of things. You're just assuming it's a human spirit. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think until we have, you know, that hundred percent conclusive evidence of what things are, I, I suppose you need to keep more things open and on the table as a possibility. I see somebody's asking who trained me in remote viewing. Nobody. I was just born this way. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely just, we'll, don't ask me how I do. I just do it. I don't know how. Nobody we'll definitely. We'll get onto that in a minute, I think. In fact, we're, we're, it might as well. Let's just let's jump onto that. Can you tell us about what the Sci Institute is, how it came about, and what you kind of wanted to get from it? Well, I, I had a I had a friend in Illinois that you know that I met at a conference, and he wanted to put together a group of psychics to help look for missing people and close uh, cold cases. And so he put together eight people. And we are from all different parts of the United States. I think I've only met two in person. So we don't talk to each other when we're getting our information, but he'll, he'll go, here's a case for us. And he, he'll just show us the person's picture and say they're missing. And, and so I have to look at their picture and I can see where they were, who was around them. If, if someone did something to him, I could see who the person was. And then we give him all our information and he goes to the police and hopefully the police will listen. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they say, oh, psychics, yeah, go away. Yeah. But have the police actually approached you in, in certain cases to kind of as a... Not me directly. They go to him and then he comes, yeah. And what kind of success have you had doing these kind of, uh, you know, remote viewing or forensic remote Very viewing? Very good. And then I, actually, I also have a um, software program on my computer it's called faces and it's like the composite that the police use and right. i can i can make a picture of the face of like the killer or the abductor i can make a picture to send the police also yeah because i read obviously in your bio i think it's something like nearly 400 500 missing children rescued closed yeah. 21 cold cases and shut down 19 human trafficking rings i mean that's an impressive number across the board on all of those things. So because you could be looking for one person and then when they find them, there could be six people there that they found. That's how we got all the hum number in the human trafficking because one could turn into many. Yeah. So with this, you know, these, this remote viewing and that, have you spoken to other remote viewers? Is it, is it the kind of skill that you, I mean, obviously you say you kind of had it naturally, but is it still something that you can develop and, and make stronger? 
I, the only way I think you can do is just practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Yeah. Have you looked at, I mean, have you done any other kind of work with remote viewing when it comes to studying the paranormal, say, or UFOs or anything like that? Well, the, the only thing I do is I, I have a, I have a, a team that lives in my friends that lives in Georgia. And when they're doing an investigation, they will get on Facebook messenger with me and I will help them during their investigation because I can re remote view there. Wow. Now, uh You've, actually, you're a member of MUFON. Is that is that still a current membership, or was that something in the past? No, still a member. I'm so studying that... to be a field investigator as we speak. Oh, well, that's great. And when, so when did you first join, and what was it that you kind of wanted to get from it? Was it just you wanted to just develop yeah, more skills? About six, and... about six years ago. Just curious. Yeah. Just curious. I wanted to, you know, meet other people. It's it's not like the paranormal. The paranormal, somebody might say, my evidence is better than yours and all that. The UFO community, you, you sit there and talk and people listen. They just stop and listen to you talk and they don't judge you. It's a whole different. And uh, we're right now we're, we're doing remote meetings, but we used to have a meeting once a month at a, at a place and the public had come in and, and we'd have a, a guest speaker. It was very nice, but it was nice that you could get together with other people and discuss stuff. Oh, that's great. And as a field investigator, would that be a once you've qualified for that, what is that boots on the ground research? Is that going out to locations? What, how does it work? You, you could go out to a location or you could talk to the people on the phone too, but you're, you're checking, you know, what was the, there's all kinds of reports to check what was in the, what was the weather that day? What could be in the sky at that time? There's all kinds of reports that you check too, before you just take their word that something happened. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Um, Another thing is CE5 consciousness is another part of the UFO subject. Is that something that you've tried, touched upon, and had any success with? Yeah, I actually, actually at one of our meetings, there, there were two speakers there that they started talking about something called CE5. And I said, well, that sounds interesting, you know, because they said we need remote viewers. And I said, okay, I, I can do that. So, yeah, we I haven't done anything last year at all. We didn't meet or else I missed the meetings. But we go to the same place and we maybe a dozen of us and we put our lawn chairs in a circle and we do, we meditate. Sometimes we have singing bowls, singing bowls. When we use the singing bowls, we attract a lot more and we just look up in the sky and I've got some crazy photos coming out of the woods, something coming out of the woods. Now, that doesn't mean that it was alien, but we definitely attracted something with the singing bulls that night. Wow. There were, I saw two balls, of, I'm looking straight at the woods, there were two balls of light, and it was far enough away, so they're probably as big as basketballs. They, just like somebody just turned on two lights, and I said, okay, that's weird. So I go, guys, look over there, and they go, ah, it's nothing, and they're looking up in the sky. So I think something's happening right there. So I'm watching, and I should have done video, but I just had my fleur. And I took pictures and they started dancing to the singing bowls. They were going back and forth, changing places. And the one got up and it was, it was wiggling like that. And it came back down into the ball. And then all of a sudden they just, we watched them for like 10 minutes. All of a sudden they just stopped. And that's like somebody turned the flashlights off. Wow. Have you what shared those was? pictures? Mm -hmm. I said, have you shared those pictures publicly at all? A few times, yeah. 
I'd be interested to see those. Yeah. I wish I would have done video, but the pictures. Yeah. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Well, it's like it's like people, you know, trying to take a picture of a UFO. You don't think about taking your phone out or something. You yeah, know, it's I, know. Like, I didn't think I didn't think to hit video. I just wanted to get a picture of whatever it was. Yeah, I've heard that so many times from different people when they, you know, in the in the moment they just do something, but then in hindsight they sh- they wish they'd done something else, and that seems to be quite a common occurrence in yeah, in you're any just kind in of awe at what's there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's so during there, you know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But going back to kind of some of the investigations that you've done, you know, boots on the ground stuff. Is there anything that uh, really made you question what you were doing um you know anything particularly negative that kind of stood out to you or, or positive maybe are there any big cases that that really sort of sit above the rest no i mean you know of, of course you you want to bring the missing person back home and, and sometimes they're not alive you know so that is upsetting yeah but no. you do bring them back home there's some people that they never find any place so at least if you can bring them back home in one way or another that's helping but it yeah it's it's hard yeah absolutely now the next thing i'd like to talk about are your books because you've written quite a few books and mm-hmm. the first one i'd like to discuss which i haven't read yet but i'm going to is dimensions the mystery, mystery triangles of the u.s which was released back in i think september 2021 that's the one now that's kind of you know it talks about strange locations, strange artifacts, sightings, and occurrences. So, what's the kind of premise between like what the triangle itself means? Because I think the first thing I saw when I saw mystery triangles is, you know, triangles in the sky like UFOs, but it's not actually about that, is it? Um, they're they're not really triangles. I guess that they they use certain points to say it's a triangular area. Some of them are more rectangular. But they just they just use that premise, and it's it's like the Bermuda Triangle, except that I've got ten other ones in the United States that are that are in the book. And you've probably seen a lot of the Alaskan Triangle, yeah, on ancient aliens lately. And I I live in Michigan. We we have a Michigan Triangle. Never knew that till I started researching. And the the Michigan Triangle has has actually recorded more missing ships and airplanes than the Bermuda Triangle. Wow. Okay. That's, that is strange. So what sort of occurrences do you know, are there, are there sightings of like more UFO sightings, like hotspots and things like that as well? That's what I found out when I was doing the book. I wasn't going that direction, but yes, they all have lots of UFO hotspots. Every one of these triangles. Could it be the energy there? I don't know what it is. Yeah, and and you mentioned the energy. Is that something that can be measured? Have you sort of been out to any of the locations with any equipment to kind of measure, you know, electromagnetic uh, frequencies and and things like that? I mean, you could. There could be ley lines there. Some people don't believe in ley lines. I do. I I know when I'm standing near one because I feel strange. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't stand still. I'm kind of. A little bit off i can i can tell when there's a ley line but yeah you could yeah. use your tri-field meter to get some readings you're not that's not going to read the ley line but if mm, there's like the magnetic field your tri-field can help you do that yeah so now now one another area of your research obviously and this is kind of one of the big ones for me is the skinwalker ranch 
phenomena, let's say. But so you've written about the ranch, but also kind of the Uinta Basin in general as well. Uh, and obviously, we've heard about investigations throughout, you know, at least three decades with uh, Robert Bigelow and the NIDS team, and then obviously more recently with Brandon Fugel's investigation. So, you know, when you were started researching it for the first time, you know, um, how did you sort of go about it with there being so much history in, in so many aspects of the phenomena, whether it's UFOs or cryptids or the paranormal? So how did you kind of go about it and, and what did you find? Well, the, the first thing I did when I did the first book, not this one, I did the first book, I, I wanted to know who were all the people that lived on this land before? You know, we only know certain names. So, I mean, I, I went all the way, way back to when they were allotting land to the Ute tribe. Yeah. And then selling the rest to the white man. So I went all the way back and I got all those owners. I got all the deeds. It was kind of interesting. So now I could put, and I found pictures. So I could have names and pictures. These were just ordinary people trying to make a living with all this strange stuff. And then it just turns out that it's just not just the ranch. It's the whole basin that's very strange. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, you say you found the photographs and you had names and that. Was there historical evidence of the, the skinwalker itself being mentioned in like historical texts or anything like that? No, no, you, you don't. You don't start hearing stuff like that until the Shermans. Right. But obviously, you know, we hear I'm that sure the it happened before, but. Yeah, because you hear about stories of the Ute passing it down through generations. I just wasn't sure if it was like any kind of written documentation, you know, historically. But that's fair enough. I mean, did you actually get to speak to any sort of Ute tribe members at all? No, I didn't. No, but but the the reason you don't hear a lot about skinwalkers because you you don't say that name. You don't talk yeah. about. It. I've got a, yeah. a friend who who is Navajo. And we were talking about it one time and she says, well, you know, we, we don't say that name. We, we don't say, we don't talk about that. And she says, I'll, I'll tell you something that happened to me when I was a child. And this gave me chills. She says, I, I was about five and we lived in a, a one room house on the reservation in New Mexico. And I'm looking out the window at night. And she, she described, you know, I see the skinwalker with the, the paint on the face and the animal skin on it and everything. <clears throat> and she says, it was looking in the window at me and all my family. And she says, and I, I wanted to reach my hand out and grab my father, but I couldn't move. And I wanted to scream and I couldn't speak. I was like petrified. Mm. And she says, and then. I finally went to sleep and got up the next day, forgot all about it. And I'm in my coloring book and my father runs outside. He comes back in and he, he grabs his shotgun and he says, don't anybody leave the house. And he came back in and his, her mother says, what's wrong? And he says, the neighbor got killed by a skinwalker last, last night. Now these are real. This isn't just a story. This is a friend of mine. I know she wouldn't make this up. So have you been down onto the ranch yourself or, or in the area at least? But in the area, yeah, up to the gates, yeah. Have you had I, any I kind remote, of... I remote viewed there. I wasn't fully there. <laughs> Part of me was. And what kind of experience have, have you had anything sort of, you know, happen to you or felt any kind of, kind of strange things while you're in that area? 
I, I just I could just feel a, a different energy. And when I remote viewed, I, I saw that there, there were many things happening on the ranch. You know, there's 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 spirits from natives that used to live there. There's um, things up in the sky, things under the ground, because I know there's a cave system. And I saw there were like two dimensions trying to merge into one. And then there's the elementals, which are just something from nature that have always been there. So there's all kinds of things happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I regularly I've spoken to a few people, you know, that have worked on the ranch, that have worked there now, and have worked there previously. And there's so many different theories, and uh, you know, you touched upon a few there. And Christopher Bartell, you know, he's really focuses on the kind of the the ancient kind of petroglyphs and things like that. Have you have you been and witnessed the petroglyphs for yourself at all in the area? Yeah, I I went to um, Dinosaur National Monument. I I went to Nine Mile Canyon. I went to Sago Canyon. That's all in the area. Yeah, those are amazing. Mm. And that's the thing. I mean, it's fascinating because of all these different possibilities. So, you know, I'm really pleased that there is still investigative work still happening on the ranch. I know it can be controversial. Some people, uh, you know, don't like the fact that it's portrayed in in a TV show. I mean, each to their own. Um, but you know, I, I'm pleased that it's happening. Um, what about yourself? What are your thoughts on, on Brandon and the team at the moment? And have you spoken to them at all? Oh yeah. I've, I've spoken to all of them and I, I think they're just doing a phenomenal job because it's, it's not like I'm watching a paranormal show where they're acting goofy and stuff. This is really a scientific investigation and it's going 24 seven. You only see maybe 2% of what they actually filmed on TV, they're still filming. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to bring up this question here from Yorna. She says, hi, Cheryl, could you elaborate more on what you remote viewed from Skinwalker Ranch? Well, I says I, I, I saw that. And um, first thing I saw was a, a native woman. She's probably 20 years old. And she was holding a, a baby in her arms and she looked right at me. I, I looked into her eyes. She saw me and she said, medicine woman, save my baby. And I could see her baby was dead. And she said that the animals trampled my baby. I said, I can't help you, you know? So then she went and she buried her baby up on top of the Mesa. And then I saw um, a beaver stream or a stream with a beaver dam and there are two beavers and there's a native man standing there and he looked familiar to me and I thought, oh, how could that be? And then I realized when, when I go to Sweat Lodge, he has been appearing to me for seven years in Sweat Lodge before I even knew what Skimwalker Ranch was. So that that's crazy. And he keeps... He keeps pointing to the east, showing I need to see something in the east. But I, I wish what she would tell me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you mentioned before, before we actually went on live, that you, um, you know, you speak to Brandon's wife quite a bit, and and you obviously told me quite a, an interesting meeting that took place. Are you able to just sort of speak to to that publicly here? Should I find the picture? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I got. It. I got. It. Okay. Yeah, I was actually invited to Brandon's office. 
when I was going to Phenomicon, you know, his wife says, why don't you, why don't you stop by the office, you know, so we can chat. But their air conditioner was broke down that day. So she was at home waiting for the repair guy. So she didn't get to be with us. But yeah, he showed me all around the office for a good hour. And he showed me all his movie paraphernalia. I think everybody has probably seen lots of the stuff. He's He's got the Terminator. He's got the um, costumes that Daniel wore in Harry Potter and his magic wands. He's got all these cool stuff. And he's got so many first edition signed books. And so he opened it up and he goes, here's one of my favorites. He goes, this is from, I forgot which king it was that, um, I think it was King Edward. He says when he owned Stonehenge. Wow. And I said, oh, I know all about this. I says, I'm, I'm writing a book about it. And I, 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 I see, you know, who all the different people, how it was handed down, you know, through the families, Stonehenge. And then this guy actually bought it at an auction. Wow. You know that up. And, I, and he goes, yeah, and he was all impressed. And I'm going, I'm in Brandon's office and I'm talking <laughs> Stonehenge. Who is going to believe this, you know? So we're just having everyday conversations. He's a very down-to-earth person. Did he give you any kind of heads up or any, you know, behind-the-scenes information regarding the ranch at all? Or was it, you weren't looking, you know, I'd be uh, probably quite cheeky and asking if he can tell me anything, but... What well, I, I didn't want to overstep myself and start asking questions, right? <laughs> no, right. After all, I'm, I'm here. We don't want to mess this up, right? No, that's fair enough. That's fair yeah. enough. But no, that, that sounds like a, a wonderful experience. So. so so then when I when I I was heading to Phenomicon last year and when I went there, I, I went out with a friend down to the stop sign in front of the, the gates. Oh, I, we got I got it back up here. After I remote viewed, something followed me home from Skinwalker Ranch. Hitchhiker. Yeah. And I, I've never had anything follow me home when I remote viewed before, but this is Skinwalker Ranch. And it was something standing on my left side. And I thought it was a shadow figure, but then I said, no, it's something standing in the shadows. And they started downloading binary code into my head. Just like James Peniston in Randallsham Forest. And have you decoded it in any way? I, I couldn't write it down. That's why I said I don't know how he was able to write it down because it was going too fast. I, I couldn't write it down. Yeah, because you hear people say that these are kind of like instant downloads where there's just oh, floods of information. So yeah, it was it was I could see it all, but it was so fast. As maybe somebody hypnotized me one time, I would get her. I don't know. And so I go down by the, the the stop sign by Skinwalker Ranch, and I heard the same voice say, pick up that rock. And I'm laughing, and my friend says, what's so funny? And I said, well, the, the voice told me to pick up a rock, and we're on a gravel road. So I walked around, and I saw this oval, flat-shaped rock, and picked it up, and the voice said, no, not that one. And I said, oh, you're a comedian, okay. So... I looked and I found another one and I found this rock right here and it vibrates in my hand. And the voice said, the binary code has now been activated. Well, I still don't feel any enlightened, but someday maybe. Yeah. Maybe just one day it'll all fall into place. Yeah. You'll come to some kind of realization or, or understanding of, of what it you know was. So. All, all I know is I can, I can take this rock 
I took it out in my driveway with my tri-field meter and the, the needle goes up to four. It's a rock. Mm. Now, I don't know if there's crystals in it. I don't know. But I don't want anybody to crack it open because I don't think they want me to do that. No. Like I said, I think you'll just know, you'll know when to do something next, hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> you have to let us know if, it, if anything does, does come up at any point. It's been a while. I just keep going, tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got another great question here from Yorna. She says, knowing your abilities, could you see or define the hitchhiker? Oh, I could see it perfect. Well, there are actually two. Yeah, it was something in the shadows, and it, it's like it had a hood and big eyes. But I felt it, I don't know if it was alien. I felt that it was interdimensional. But you can have aliens that are interdimensional too, couldn't you? I, I don't know what it was. I just felt it was interdimensional. But it wasn't scary. Hmm. Not sure what it was. Yeah, that's interesting because but it had big, you know, big eyes. So there was no negative effects either, no physical negative effects. No. We hear obviously, you know, knowing the ranch, you know, we've seen Thomas. No, Winston. It kept, you know, the voice kept telling me, I says, you know, don't don't do this. I don't understand. And they go, it's okay, it's okay. Strange. Very strange. You'll you'll, that... you'll understand later. Well, I'm still waiting to understand. <laughs> <laughs> Now, obviously, you know, the, the book, I think there's two books you've done on the Skinwalker Ranch um, sort of studies, but you also touch upon in those books sort of military bases, Air Force bases with UFO reports sort of going back to the 40s and, and you know, right up until more modern times. And yeah. But there are Air Force bases that I'd not really heard of in, in, in America that much, which is Hill Air Force Base and Buckley Air Force Base. Are you able to sort of tell us about any particular sightings or experiences, investigations that that you encountered looking into those two those bases? Um, Hill Air Hill Air Force Hill Air Force Base. Um, some think it's uh, part of the new Area Fifty One. It's what's it known as R six four one three, but they, they people think it's the new Area Fifty One, and they they have a, a unclassified document. It's called Project Grunge. And they had sent information to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, which we know is uh, kind of where they were supposed to send those alien bodies from Area 51. But on uh, May 25th, 1949, there were five officers out in the salvage yard, and they started seeing this global-shaped object out in the sky. And it was traveling east to south, and they're watching it for quite a while, and then they saw another one, and it went in the same direction, too. So these are officers talking. So you got to take their word that something really happened there. And in this information, again, they sent it to Wright Patterson. Yeah. I want to go there sometime because you could take a tour of the place. And just with my abilities, I want to know what I might pick up there because they're not going to show you anything good. But true. Yeah. I could still true. be in the building. I might pick something up. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I think just think it was, you know, just something that that I stood out to me because, you know, we hear about the the the, the bases, the, the big Air Force bases to do with the subject. So it's good to sort of see some new names cropping up. So I found that really interesting because there's documentation as well, which is always great to see in any kind of books. It's, you know, it shows that there's research being done and that there are paper trails that you can follow. So 
yeah that really stood out i don't i don't like to report somebody's ufo sighting if i don't have documentation and you know, all kinds of proof yeah i suppose it just because anybody could could say something like i've you know i've seen ufos but i have no pictures and i can't prove anybody i saw it so just an anecdotal just, story just, yeah. you know, it's just my saying that i have it i can't prove it yeah just going to jump back to the hitchhiker i've got a question here from tony he asks how did you get rid of the hitchhiker i did and it's still around oh really yeah but i suppose if it's not a negative one then i suppose no. it's not as impactful as if it was I something got no problem with it being here no wow it, it, obviously it has something more it wants to tell me Maybe it'll be eventually the one that kind of makes you understand binary code or something like that. Well, I, says <laughs> I, I think maybe it's directing me to write the new book I'm writing. I don't know. What can you tell I, us about that? It's got nothing to do with Skinwalker Ranch, but this might be part of it. Okay, I'm, you know. I'm, writing, I'm writing a new book. I'm, I'm calling it uh, Chosen. and it, It's uh, real encounters of um, real stories about encounters and alien abductions. So are these like historical cases or are you speaking to witnesses? These What's are historical of? cases with, with government documents, so photos. Sort of yes. Collating it all into a to one book. Yeah, like the Falcon Lake, that is just nationwide. Everyone knows about Falcon Lake. I still think it's an underrated case. I, you don't hear that much about it these days. No, but there's, I mean, I have so many documents all, all different organizations that have investigated this and all saying that this guy's making this all up yeah but yet he died from radiation poisoning yeah you know this is the thing biological effects are such an importantly you know talked about aspect of the the subject yeah i felt like that case did it just flew under the radar a little bit for me that yeah and like Rendlesham forest you know burrows also had radiation poisoning and they were denying him any kind of benefits saying no you don't yeah i mean that's that, he finally got his benefits but it took him how many years a long long decades yeah. i think it was it's, it's, yeah. it's like the it's like they they don't want to uh prove your stories right they're out there to prove disprove you because yeah. in, in the in the falcon lake you had uh the condom from um uh, Boulder, Colorado. And it's like whenever they're investigating any UFO stories, they never say, yeah, the person saw that. Mm. I go, what, what kind of committee is this where you can't be? You're judgmental. You're already coming at the beginning going, I know this guy made it up. You know, Every story I've ever investigated that has their name connected to it, they can't say, yep, this is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. Um, so... When are we likely to sort of see the book? Have you got a kind of publishing date or have you got a, a, a date you'd like it to be published by? I, I just I just started writing it about two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So it yeah. is fresh, fresh and new. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of work still to do then. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's like, I, I just I just woke up one day and I go, I need to do this. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Feels like some telling you to do it then by the yeah, sounds of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was like it was like a, a few months ago, something told me to write this children's book. Oh, wow. 
it's only 31 pages, but it's it's the story of a little wolf that came down from the Mesa and had an adventure in Skimwalker Ranch. There we go. Wow. <laughs> I'll have to get a copy for my daughter. <laughs> it's, it's got it's got very I made I made very nice photos of it. Wait, did you did you do those? What I I I I made them in a doll E and then I oh, put, right. and then I put them in um Pixar and I made them all snowy looking because it's snow outside where there's yeah. So it's like a wow. combination of it's like AI generated. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, I, I don't I don't use AI, but the, the Dali let me make the wolf because I wanted the wolf to look all the same and then yeah. And then I put it in the other one to to make it you can do a snow effect. Wow, I like it. <laughs> now another um topic which is big in the Uinta Basin as well is and has been going on for decades is cattle mutilations and yeah. strange animal deaths. So what can you tell me about that from stories you may have heard or or is there anything again that stands out from any of those cases that you've looked into? I've I've just noticed that there there's just lots like a, I, this book was about um Utah and Colorado and Colorado has a lot more mutilations than Utah, but they're all the same. And uh Linda Mutant Howe, the, the journalist and investigator, one of her specialties is investigating animal mutilations. And she actually went to Skinwalker Ranch and she was investigating there. NIDS, National Institute of Discovery with Bob Robert Bigelow. He's got many, many investigations about not just the Skinwalker Ranch, but other cattle mutilations. And they're all similar. The animals are skinned. There's organs are missing. The problem with that that I find is that we still hear about them to this day, but there never seems to be any kind of resolution or no. or anything. We're still dealing with multiple theories as to what these uh, what what how these things are dying and being mutilated, even in some strange cases where you know, people have turned their back and something's happened and they've turned around and, and it's all, you know, it, it, it makes you question how something could do that in that amount of time. Right. That, that's that's what happened to the Shermans because they, they did have a an instance there. It was in 1996 and they were they were tagging their, their cattle and they, they just tagged a calf and they walked over on the other side of the field, were tagging more and then their dogs started acting funny and, and ran over by the calf and they went back and the calf was skinned and organs were missing just like that. And they didn't yeah. see anything happen. You know, cause they weren't looking, but yeah, it happened it's right just, by them. Yeah. It's just, it's just another one of the strange aspects of the phenomena that, I mean, there's so many strange aspects, the whole phenomena is strange mm -hmm. but you know it just throws up so many questions and you know you've over the years with all the investigations it's just uh it's mind-boggling to, to you know some, to some say it's it's the government because they're they're testing to see if there's any contamination in the soil okay maybe some of it is but i don't think it all is yeah that's the thing if it's like you like we said those cases we mentioned of, of something happening in in a matter of minutes i mean You'd, you know, surely you'd see kind of tracks from people or vehicles or if it's helicopters involved and all these kind of potentials as to how they would do that, that it, a lot of it just doesn't fit with with what's happened. So, yeah, it's 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 a mystery, I suppose. When I, 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 I saw I got two stories that I investigated where the the people saw a calf being pulled up into a beam of light. They're watching it. 
Wow. The, the, the Judy Doherty case, I just wrote an article about that for, for on my magazine. And she got somehow caught into the beam of light, but she saw, she's standing outside her car and she saw the calf being pulled up. Was there a, a craft at all or anything like that? There, she it... saw there was a craft there and a beam of light, and the, the calf was, was picked up. And she was, I don't know if she was really, there's, there's still, I wonder if she was really abducted or if it was her out of body experience. Because she says when she was found herself in the craft, but they said, You're not supposed to be here. So I don't, I don't know if she really got picked up or, you know. Sure, sure. We've had out-of-body experience, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like another anecdotal story, isn't it? So how do you how do you kind of, you know, if you speak to someone or read something, how do you kind of deal with it from a a belief perspective? Or do you try not to jump in with beliefs? Like, to sort of, you know, it's something that I find really difficult to do. And I almost have some a, a reasonable a reasonable amount of skepticism when, when it's just an anecdotal story, you know, how do you deal with things like that as to not look disrespectful to the witness, but at the same time be open-minded and, uh, and logical, let's say. Well, I, I, you know, since being a paranormal investigator and stuff and, and, and working with MUFON, I just, I just learned to listen to what people say. Yeah. You know, that's, that's their story. You go, no, oh, that didn't happen. Sure. Or, or try to, or try to help them along with their story. Just let them talk. Yeah, and then and then ask questions. Maybe you can bring out some more for them because I I like when I'm talking about something. I want people to listen to me too. Yeah. And I I like when I go to a, a UFO event because all like-minded people come and we're all telling stories. And yeah. someone I'm... else told me they had binary code too, so now I don't feel so weird. <laughs> no, that's it. That, I find exactly the same thing. Some of the best conversations I've had is when you're in a. Uh, you know, a setting like a convention or conference and, you know, you yeah. just get to hear people, people's stories. And it is a case, like you said, it's a case of they obviously just want someone to talk to, someone to listen, someone that's not going to judge them. And, you know, the the UFO community in particular can be quite brutal sometimes. And, yeah. you know, I think that that needs to change to help the stigma uh, sort of lift away from the subject. So, Because usually if you're coming to one of these events, you believe in this stuff. You're not coming here just to have fun. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a... You know, it's come because you believe. I believe, yeah, and when I use the word belief, it's more that yeah. I believe in something. I yeah. don't believe that's what necessarily... I mean, they believe in something, yeah. Yeah, for me personally, it's like I don't necessarily believe in aliens or ghosts and spirits because I don't have that conclusive proof or evidence, you know. But, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny way. It's a funny experience and way of dealing with belief because you know people get labeled as true believers i mean it's very easy for people to say that but everyone's different i find we're in mm -hmm. their their levels of belief and that is that kind of the same with you if you come across that well, and if your your level of belief is from what you have experienced yeah exactly yeah i mean i've not experienced much but at the same time i've done you know over a decade's worth of research and seen that's and read, read an awful lot so that i think that's kind of I could very easily believe in a lot of different things, but yeah, I've kind of learned to kind of be a bit more logical and study it. Yeah. And, not, and I, I've got, not... you know, from investigating, you know, I've got so many EVPs that are just amazing. They're first class. And really, who are we talking to? We still don't know. Yeah. 
even though I'm having a conversation with something, you know, what is it? Is that a person or, or what is it? Yeah, that's it's the that's the difficult part, isn't it? But yeah. on on those lines, how would you sort of or what advice would you give to someone new that maybe is new to the field or or maybe just they're not new to the field but they're new to actually investigating it for themselves? Like what kind of advice would you give them? Have an open mind. And, but first of all, when when you walk into whatever this building is you're investigating, people laugh at me sometimes. I, I walk in and I say, I hope it's it's okay if we come tonight. We didn't call ahead. Because you're walking into someone's house. Yeah. Someone's residence. And you don't just walk into your friend's house and, and start demanding. And you don't demand that they tell you something. Because they're not going to talk to you. I said, just have a conversation with them like your friends. Don't ask them to knock on the wall or light up a flashlight. I hate that. <laughs> it's not respectful and it doesn't tell me anything either. Just have a conversation with them and always have your recorder going as soon as you walk through that door. Because I've, I've got EVPs of them saying they're coming as soon as we walked in the door. They know they know you're coming before you get there. As, as a medium, I always have a spirit talking to me about three days before I go to a location because they want to tell me something. Not sure where I'm going to find them in the building, but I and evidently I will find them sooner or later. But they know yeah. you're coming. They, they are aware of us. That's fascinating. Let's keep that in really... mind, you know. Yeah. But it's good that you're taking equipment in there where you can actually record and get data as well. Oh, you that's... must always have your recorder. That is probably your best. You can take photos, but photos don't speak to me. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, don't, I mean, I, I don't know that much about that, that aspect of, of the kind of uh, paranormal, but, you know, from what I've heard and that, isn't it, that photographs don't always work. They don't, you don't capture what people see. Uh, all right, you could see something right in front of your eyes and you take a photo and nothing comes out because yeah. they mess with your camera. We see that on Skimwalker Ranch on TV. They mess with your equipment. Or or you can you can hear a voice with your ears and your recorder didn't pick it up. It, it happens. Or I, I was with a friend and we standing next to each other, maybe two feet away from each other, and I got all these amazing clear sentences and she got nothing. So I just always have all different equipment of course she had a digital recorder and i have analog i always use analog right i don't know if that makes a difference but i get great stuff with my analog recorder i suppose and you also get used and you know your equipment and you yeah that makes sense that makes sense well because as as the tape is going through the recorder it's also letting off white noise and that's where spirits speak to you through the white noise right um well listen before we uh, wrap this up, I do want to go to a few questions that I've, I've started here in the, in the comments. So Paige is asking about, this is when you're looking for kind of missing people, missing children and that, and it's how much information you actually need before you kind of do your remote remote viewing in order to find them. I just need their picture. Right. And then that just zeroes you in on a location. Is it a, does it go straight to them or is it kind of, does it narrow down? I'm, I'm seeing through their eyes. Oh, right. Wow. That's what I'm saying. I'm 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 seeing through their eyes where they are. I hear what they hear. I hear sounds. That's how we found somebody one time because I I saw a warehouse and I heard train whistles. So that's how they found 
two girls. We're looking for one. We found two. Wow. And I, I, I see through their eyes. I mean, it's amazing. And it's amazing that you're able to do this kind of thing and have such a, a track record of it as well. You know, it's an honorable thing. So, you know, my hat's off to you on, on that respect. I just realized the other question I had already asked, I, I starred it and then, but listen, is there anything that you feel that we haven't covered that you kind of, uh, you know, that you feel is important thing to mention or is there anything else coming up besides the book? Any other locations that you plan on visiting? What's next for you? Well, I got to work on this book. And then I, I, I had another book I had started before this, and I'm supposed to just stop and do this one now. <laughs> um, it's it's about, uh, I'm not sure what the other title is. I might call it uh, Ancient Earth Energies. I'm, it's about um, different places, not just the U.S., all, all over the world, who have a connection to Pleiades. So that's, I'm not sure what title of that book's going to be. But I'm supposed to do this. UFO one first. So fair enough. We look forward to it. I'm just getting another couple more questions in. Um, Wilfred, I see that you think your questions disappeared. I've just scrolled up and I can't see it. Um, uh, if you want to repost it, then you can. But Davey asks, uh, has Cheryl ever felt threatened by any spirits or non-human intelligence? Just, just that time that that one jumped into my friend. I didn't think... feel threatened, but it scared the heck out of me that. What do I do, you know? Yeah. Do you think that some of these entities are or have a sort of negative, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Do you think they, they want to act negative towards towards us? You know, is it a, a balance? Are there good entities and negative entities? Or Well, I, I, had, I had seen the, this spirit in the building before. He was either a doctor or he, he took care of, of people there. And he wasn't good. He wasn't a good right. one called evil, but he wasn't a good man. And he was chasing this woman. And I know he killed her. And may maybe this was the anniversary of the night he killed her. And that's why all this happened. I, I don't know. But that's why nice. he jumped into my friend, well, we'll never know why he did that. Yeah. It was, there was no reason to do that. Uh, that's uh, uh, it's one of those things. <laughs> but, <laughs> Well, listen, Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about all of your work. You know, I find it so impressive that you're able to do so many different or look at so many aspects of, of the phenomena and that, but also get out there and, and research and investigate as well. So um, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. All right. Everyone in the chat, you've been great as well. I'm sorry if I missed your question. I've just uh, tried to find it. And I'm sorry if I didn't get to all of them, but uh, you can now catch me every Wednesday, but follow me all on my, all my social medias and uh, guys, thank you so much. I will see you on the next one. Take care. Bye. Goodbye.